Welcome to the Becoming a Streamer podcast by Pipeline, where we interview your favorite streamers and learn about their journey to where they are today. I'm your host and co-founder of Pipeline, Snoopy. And today I'm sitting down with Clash with Ash. We learn about how he went from being a letter carrier for the postal service for 15 years to being one of the most well-known creators in mobile gaming. Not only is he a successful content creator with over a million followers across platforms, he's a savvy entrepreneur that is deeply rooted in growing the mobile gaming industry through a number of businesses that he's involved in. I was struck by how deeply curious Ash is, and I really enjoyed learning more about his hustle to get to where he is today. You can find him all over the internet as Clash with Ash, but for now, let's find out how he got to where he is today. So, Ash, it's great to have you on the show. When I was doing a bit of research ahead of today, I was blown away by not only how much content you put out, but also so many cool initiatives that you're involved in beyond the content itself. So my first thing yeah, that I want to ask is like, were you your parents entrepreneurs or what was it like <laughs> growing up that led you towards being such an entrepreneur? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, pleasure to be here. And uh, yeah, honestly, my parents were not entrepreneurs, but uh, they both had a, a real creative spirit about them. And I think uh, well, my mom had a real creative spirit about her and my dad really had just that grit, you know, he was the type of uh, blue collar worker, but he worked two jobs almost all my life. And I think I got a lot of that. And as you know, it's certainly an asset in content creation and this whole ecosystem as well. So that was definitely a kind of a cool uh, two skill sets, I guess, to borrow from. That's really cool. Was there anything that like when you were growing up, like you grew up in the US, right? Were you in Philly the whole time or? Yeah, uh, a little south of Boston, actually. But yeah, been pretty much the same location uh, my whole life. And did you grow up doing like anything entrepreneurial that before content creation came around? Where, like, I remember you like a uh, a milkman mm. or anything like that. Like any like <laughs> you're, you're young close, yeah. It's crazy to see how Male, yeah. how much you're doing today. There must have been yeah. something happening there early on. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I've always been uh, interested in side projects. And I was actually a letter carrier for the Postal Service for almost uh, almost 15 years. And I did that alongside. Years. I always had, yeah, I'm an old man, and especially in this industry. Uh, but I started in 2004 with the post office. And uh, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it was a fun career. 2003, actually. It was a fun, it was a fun career, but it wasn't incre- incredibly satisfying or rewarding in terms of my you know, like you said, that entrepreneurial spirit and also just, you know, it's just kind of the daily grind of any other job. So like a lot of people out there, I started making content. Well, even before I started making content, I started like side projects and kind of side hustles. And it was really fun. I, I, you know, I flipped stuff on Craigslist and eBay way back in the day and I made a nice little, you know, side income there. And, and then I, I started a, a, a blog, actually, like the, not a vlog, but a, a vlog, old school vlog. And uh, I did a lot of, like, I have a, you know, a wide array, just like most people of interest. So I love history and I love philosophy. So I started like a, a philosophy type uh, uh, vlog. And I've always been interested, no matter what I do, I love learning from the best at whatever they do, you know? So that was kind of the the thesis, if you will, of that like uh, vlog project that I did as well is just learning from people who are experts in certain uh, either, uh, I don't know, psychological or or theological fields. That's super cool. Did you have any, when you were doing the blog, was there like a goal in mind, like I got to turn this into something or was it like, I nah. just find this really cool and I want to talk about it? 
That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything, everybody has different uh, strategies that work for them in terms of what motivates them. But for me, it's just, I'm a really curious person, you know, uh, by nature. That's what I love doing. Like when I'm not doing YouTube or, or busy with my, you know, the businesses or anything like that, I just love learning about stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a documentary nerd and I love, you know, whether it's history or, or anything, true crime, anything. I just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be incredibly intellectually stimulating, but as long as I'm learning about something, I, I'm really fascinated by it. So for me, it was just kind of an opportunity to talk to people who I considered experts in a field that I was curious about. So that's kind of what I do today still, you know? Uh, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll get to that. <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah. So you were you're not a blogger you didn't become a philosopher or or that side. <laughs> i did not no somehow no. content creation came into the picture what was it that you know were you watching content did you start making how did you come across content creation yeah so for content creation it was just uh it was pretty modest you know i'm not one to set like huge goals more just you know trying things out and if they grow they grow if they had develop an audience or an, you know an interested group of people then I'm happy, which would I guess would be an audience, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't really have any lofty goals. I saw some other people doing it, uh, and I decided that you know I'm not an expert at this game. And that's the thing about me is I'm not one to excel in, in any one thing. Uh, I'm not an overall incredibly skilled player in any games that I've ever covered on my gaming content, and I'm not the smartest guy out there. I think I think that just one of my skills is is interviewing people and just having that curiosity again and that general interest and i love and i like i you know started with with my dad having that grind i'm someone who's totally comfortable putting in like 10 hours a day uh or whatever i have to not like operating on little sleep to to work on something that i'm really passionate about so i felt like i played to my strengths and i just kind of didn't have any lofty expectations uh, but things started to grow and I started to kind of really adopt a go-getter mentality and reaching out to proactively reaching out to developers and, uh, and other players and other content creators and just trying to network. And that's something that I, I still love doing today, you know, so. Was that something when you were doing that, did you go right in front of the camera? Did you feel comfortable doing that? Was it more about the gameplay? Like how, when you approached it, did, did it start for you? Yeah, so uh, I started out with no webcam, but it was actually just by, it was not necessarily by a choice because I was afraid to be in front of the camera. It was rather, I didn't have really the, the know-how to, uh, you know, I was, not that I'm uh, some sort of a Luddite or anything, but technology has never been, you know, I was a mailman for 10 years, you know, I'm just like, I, I've been out of the game a little bit, you know, so I just, you know, I have like a, a regular old, you know, $800 PC or whatever. And I, uh, I just kind of did the best I could, you know, I record on blue stacks with just, uh, I, I literally recorded on voice memo and I overlay, I emailed myself the, the voice memo from my phone and I overlaid it onto my videos using like movie maker, basically not even editing software, barely considered editing software. So I started out really archaic in terms of editing and production value. Uh, but then as soon as I, you know, like with anything in life, you just try to teach yourself something new every week or every day or whatever, given the time frame. So every week I took on like a new task and one week it was, okay, I'm going to figure out how to add webcam, you know? Uh, but I have a background in, I was kind of an interesting kid in high school. And, and before that is where I, I was an athlete. I played uh, basketball and soccer 
And I also was like a real drama, you know, drama geek. And I say that with a lot of pride, but I was, uh, I was in all the school plays and I sung in the, the chorus and, and stuff like that. So, and I went to competitions. So I really had no problem putting myself out in front That's of the, yeah, you know, the that must be super powerful as you start to become more extroverted online and, and kind of out there, that background as a entertainer probably played exactly. Control. Yeah. It came out. Yeah, yeah, no problem public speaking, no problem. I'm, I'm a very weird person. I'm sure there's people out there like me, uh, some of your listeners maybe, but I am a person where I'm more comfortable talking to a group of people than just a one-on-one conversation or, yeah. or like, or a, unless I'm really comfortable with somebody, but I feel like I can tend to be with this, with someone I just met, I feel like I tend to be a little bit awkward one-on-one, but then I have no problem getting up and talking to a group of, you know, a thousand people. It's uh it's kind of weird. It is no. Why. It's really interesting having met yeah. you know thousands of creators over the years that yeah. you can sit in front of an audience and speak to you know literally ten thousand people, but then yeah. when they meet in a one on one, it's just like they're not. It's it's a different skill set. It's completely exactly. Skillset. It really is. It really is. Yeah. I mean, even making content, it's super easy because I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to my webcam. You know. Yeah. And you know, of course, I know that you know, millions of people may see that content, but at the same time, it doesn't feel that way when you're creating it. It feels like you're just talking to yourself, you know? Yeah. When you were, you're making that transition um, into content creation, when did you go, okay, this might be something that I can do. You know, you're working a regular job, but like, when did you feel like I can shift gears? Like how many years, months was it before you could actually well, you know, I had a government job and I never expected to be a big content creator. Again, uh, it's not, I don't want to say it was self-doubt, but just maybe just reali- realism, I guess, self-realism, knowing that, sure, I have some skill sets, but I'm not the best player. Like I said, I'm not the best player. And, you know, I feel like it's, it's like this when you start any project, no matter who you are, you're like, can I do this? I'm not this person. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of... Uh, the imposter complex, right? Where you're just like, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be a, you know, a YouTuber or whatever. So I think this everybody and most people have that no matter what new venture they're kind of starting. Uh, but so on that side, it wasn't a while before I actually felt confident that this could actually be something. Even when I was growing, uh, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 subscribers, I was like, okay, well, this is cool, but it's never going to be like a full-time gig. And, uh, and then, you know, eventually it, it grew to the, the, it grew enough to where I was making the same amount of money, you know, essentially on YouTube that I was the post office at the time. And I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe I can do this. But it wasn't until quite a bit after that, that I actually left because it's just really tough leaving a, you know, I'm under no, you know, (laughs) no illusion that uh, my postal career was anything insane in terms of opportunity like i couldn't get back again if i wanted to but i just didn't want to take that next step until i really felt like i could make this sustain me for the rest of my life and my family so it wasn't until maybe a couple of years after i was making the same income uh until i was really comfortable uh leaving and going full time did you feel like you could have done it earlier um or do you feel like no i did the right time like what was your well, in hindsight, I guess I could have done it earlier, but at the same time, because uh, now I'm still here, you know, three and a half years of full time later, almost four years. Uh, but, I, you know, I feel like I made the smart decision at the, t- at the time because yeah. you never know, you know, it, it's weird. I could it, it, forgive the, the really overly 
ambitious comparison, but I look at content creators as athletes in a way where, you know, we could have a short window. Sure. We could be that athlete who lasts 20 years, uh, but we could be that athlete who lasts three years making whatever they make, you know? So sure. The, as you start to grow, the income starts to scale incredibly. And, and it's, it's a shock at first, but also you have to be real enough and, and smart enough to realize that, yeah, it's not like I'm a, you know, a doctor, making this income every year consistently till I retire, this could end in a couple of years. So that's really the, you know, from the fiscal side, that's kind of what you have to think about as content creator. Yeah, I noticed that a lot when I was playing professionally. Um, a lot of my peers weren't thinking about what's next. They were very much in the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And I really thought about that a lot, which is, you know, this isn't gonna last forever. You know, there's gonna be the game, like the game that we are really good at might not be here in three years. Exactly. And, and League, no, again, I, to your point, is like it's stayed a long time. It's been around now for, uh, what, 10 years. But yeah, most games. No, but you're right. It's definitely, it, it's, you know, it's just like anything else in life. You just have to really assess it and you can't compare it to, to other, you know, to other jobs and stuff like that. There's a lot of different factors. So, yeah, I, you know, it's something to think about. But I feel like in hindsight, I guess I feel pretty happy with the decision that I made. I, don't, I certainly don't regret it. And yeah. I feel like I went, uh, I think, you know, I tried to secure one like key partnership, a year long partnership. And uh, I like, again, I proactively grinded and, and pitched myself essentially to anybody I could. And then once I got one more like really solid uh, year long contract, that's when I was like, okay, I feel comfortable, you know, I can do this. And uh, that's what ended up happening. Yeah. And what was it that made you go into mobile games specifically? Cause I remember I first came across you, it was in 2016 a bunch of us in the League of Legends esports community, Clash came out and we got hooked on Clash Royale. <laughs> and that's when I was like, I, cause I'm a better person, right? And I was sure. like, I gotta, and I started looking up all these turtles and that's when I came across you first. But what was it, was 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 Clash with Ash always the name? Like how did you get into Clash specifically? Is, yeah. it, is it even related? I don't I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, like it, I'm gonna forgive you the long-winded, uh, the long-winded version, and kind of get to the point. But I I played an MMO called EverQuest back in like '99 to 2002 or three, and it really kind of consumed my life. It's the classic MMO story of, yeah. of of spending way too much time on it that every you know has or a lot of people have with like World of Warcraft being the main one. Mine was, and, uh, was Eve Online for a decade. Yes, yes. So there's these, you know, it's it's always a game, but it's the same situation where it kind of just consumes you and I, I have a little bit of an addictive personality uh you know to not super extreme but definitely that game got me and I kind of swore off uh video games after that you know I, I swore off uh certainly that genre of a video game like RPGs or anything to super time intensive so it seemed rather benign to pick up Clash of Clans on my mobile device you know in 2012 uh, but I did, and uh, I kind of, yeah, I didn't get hooked, and certainly nothing to that level, but I got pretty into it, you know, and I got pretty competitive, like you said, right? And I wanted to be one of the best players and everything else. Uh, so I got into a competitive clan and, and it kind of just moved from there. And that's, that's what kind of led me to mobile. And, in you know, I, I came, I started my YouTube channel and, and, and maybe the end of the golden age, I guess, of YouTube or the bronze age, I guess I should say. Of, of YouTube where I wasn't the OG OG since 2012, but I started in 2014. So I was still early enough to be one of the first, uh, you know, official content creators of Suez Supercell. 
And then when I met Supercell, who develops Clash, who owns the Clash IP for Clash Royale and Clash of Clans and Brawl Stars and and uh, Heyday and 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 a few others, Boom Beach, uh, they invited me to Finland. And as soon as I kind of saw when I visited Supercell and I met the people and saw how different they were than I envisioned a, a typical gaming studio, uh, I was just I really fell in love with the, the culture and I fell in love with the people who were surrounding this budding uh, developing market in mobile games, you know, and since then, since 2014, when I first started in the last six years, it's grown exponentially, obviously, to a real, uh, to the fastest growing vertical in gaming, right? Uh, whether people like it or not, obviously, there is the stigmatism that I'm no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, shielded from. Uh, amongst a lot of like the PC, I had it. Crowd. I had it myself as well. As I was saying, like you know, diehard, mm. you know, playing Eve Online MMO. I went into League, played that. Comp- I was a competitive esports player for four and a half years. I was yeah. like the diehard PC guy, and mm. I was shocked at how much <laughs> I loved Clash Royale. I was blown away. <laughs> it's cool because a game like Clash Royale, you can't say this about all mobile games, but a game like Clash Royale is is suited for a phone. Right, it's not it's not like a, a watered down version of a game that should be played on a PC. It's really suited for a phone, like the dexterity and the tapping and the dragging and all that stuff. Like it's not it's not replicable. It of course it is, but much worse with a mouse. So if you can make really cool creative games like that that are better played on a touchscreen device, I feel like that is where mobile can excel and where it has excelled in a lot of cases. So I, I feel like there's definitely a case to be made uh, for mobile being preferable with some sort of with some specific genres. Uh, so, you know, just continuing your, your other answer, I felt like I fell in love with mobile and I started to meet these people around me. And at first they were just friends, other content creators or leaders in the industry, developers or people who just wanted to organize leagues like early on, just like any other ecosystem of any other game, PC game or console game. And throughout the last six years, I started to see those people not just as friends, but also as business partners, Mm. especially given the industry was growing so fast, whether or not you like it, whether or not you love mobile games, you think they're whatever, you cannot deny the numbers and you can't deny how crazy it's it's gotten. So I I thought to myself that, hey, I love this, I'm passionate about this, and I'm also a go-getter and I also, I wanna look for that next thing. And so why not be more than just a content creator why not be you know position myself as an industry leader and start building you know these these platforms or this infrastructure around gaming that can help out content creators similar to what you do too uh that can help out content creators and put content creators first because i am one and still service their needs whether they're you know uh esport related or whether they're you know a talent agency related and those are the two fields we've kind of started going into not to get too ahead of you know myself but uh i saw those friends as more than just friends and business partners and allies and now it's it's easy to look back and and, and just see how kind of naive we were at the time but i think we all kind of knew that we could create something really special beyond just being a youtuber it's really, uh, it's really cool special. i mean i just a yeah. similar conversation with david um, or stone i should say um, when we're just thinking like there's so much more here that we can build and create beyond ourselves. Mm. And, and that was kind of the, the nucleus for pipeline. But one thing I wanted to highlight is just your, you were talking about Supercell a lot and I've been fortunate enough to head out there to Helsinki and in their San Francisco office a couple of times. Yeah. And you're right they're at the culture there is exceptional. Um, it's, it's really, um, a special place and the people that work there are fantastic. 
when you were creating that relationship with them, it seems, and obviously you're one of the bigger content creators they have, but you've, if you made a conscious effort to like really have a good rapport with them. Well, I always, my number one value is honesty and transparency with, with content creators in my audience. Right. So, uh, my number one value isn't like sucking up to a developer. So I've always been, uh, very open with speaking my mind and being critical of Supercell. But at the same time, you know, I feel like even if I don't agree with everything they do, and there's been plenty of things they've done that I disagree with, uh, I recognize that they've made amazing games and they've really, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that they've really blazed this trail for us content creators in the mobile, in like the mobile vertical to, to excel, right? I mean, almost everybody big and mobile came up through Clash of Clans or through one of their IPs. You know, and now it's a little bit different because there's already like existing, if you want to be a mobile content creator, you can hop into COD Mobile or hop into PUBG or something. So there's other players now. But in back in the day, I feel like they've just, you know, from a content side, from a community side, they did things and they stuck to their guns. Like you said, we talk about the culture. There's, I just have a lot of respect, you know, even if that, even if I don't agree with everything, uh, I think like Ninja put out a tweet or whatever a couple of weeks ago about like, don't bash your game, right? Yeah. Something to something to the effect, don't bash the game you cover if you're a content creator. And I think that what he meant there, if I can he'd be so bold as to speak for him, wasn't so much don't be critical when it's necessary, but it was rather that, you know, it's not a good look to just constantly be crapping on the game that you that you cover for a living you know it's that you just the game it's just like if yeah. you're naked negative period exactly it come yeah it, uh, you said it best like putting out as a negative uh just putting out constant negativity like who wants to watch that i mean like listen i'm under no illusion of how this all works people are watching me because they want to you know maybe 10 percent of my audience is there for my person my lovely personality the rest are there because they want to know about the game so if you're on your phone or on your computer and searching to learn more about a game, do you really want a content creator like saying how crappy the game is all the time? Like probably not. You're probably actually going there to learn something about the game or be with somebody who actually, you know, uh, can acknowledge when things aren't great, but at the same time has a pretty good attitude about it. And I feel like I've watched some of my peers uh, go down those roads in a lot of games, go down the road where they're just constantly critical yeah. And I feel like their viewer base has honestly suffered because of it. You know, I think there's a way to, as a professional, especially if you do this full time, I think there's a way to be critical uh, where your motivation is to actually get change. Right. Yeah. And if you're just overly critical of games, it's just my opinion. And, you know, some people, everybody has, has their own opinion, their own thing that kind of works for them. But if you're just critical, just for the sense of kind of pandering to your audience, right? Like, you know, to make you essentially, oh, that creator is not afraid to speak their mind. You know, that go only goes so far, right? It, it I do think there's some, there's some elements when you, as a smaller creator, might be frustrated because you don't have a line of communication. Mm. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's some of the tension where the smaller creators feel frustrated. The larger ones feel like, oh, I can, I, I may have a channel that I could go. And that's when you're like, you should just go through that channel if you're really trying to. Yeah. Um, create change but the smaller ones are like I, I don't know how I can't even get my message across I'm just I'm pissed you know? no I totally I totally empathize with that too and then the, the, on the other on the other side of that coin too larger channels are more secure as well because they already have that relationship like I, I feel like you know just from my own uh from my own standpoint I feel like I can speak my mind a little bit more too 
uh, because, you know, what are they going to do? Shut me down because I'm critical of one thing. I think they know I've been around for six years. I love their games. But at the same time, you know, if there's something that I really feel strongly against, I'll mention it, but I just don't try to make a habit of just every day bashing the game just for the sake of, yeah. you know, pandering to people who, who love that, you know? Yeah. One of the things I want to really ask you was you were obviously starting off on YouTube and you started the foray into streaming. And what was that like for you? Do you do you enjoy streaming? Is it another angle? It's obviously a lot more time consuming in some elements. Like what's your yeah. what's your feeling about streaming? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, man. I feel like time consumption is is huge, right? Especially with all these like business things that I have going on. It's it's really difficult to put aside two hours or whatever a day and commit to streaming. I was on Facebook uh, as you uh, for about a year and a half and they were great to work with and that was with a company called caffeine after that but i recently stopped because i just can't do it you know i have a two-year-old as well so juggling everything is incredibly challenging and streaming i don't mind it i think it's fine i don't i'm not i've never been a marathon streamer i'm not the type who is going to sit there for 10 hours and especially with mobile games i think they're more conducive to short streams and i think that not necessarily every platform realizes that i think that especially when you speak like you know, bigger creators in contracts. I think that a lot of these platforms are like, okay, we want you to stream as much as possible. But especially for mobile games, um, aside from the battle royale genre, uh, I feel like, or the FPS genre, I feel like these are three minute, three to five minute matches in most of these games, you know? And no one wants to sit there and watch that for 10 hours. At least yeah. very few people do. So I feel like there's a little bit of a, a disconnect between some platforms and creators that way. And that's kind of what happened to me in full transparency with Facebook is they wanted me to stream longer. And I was just like, I can't do it. I can't, I don't think my audience wants me to, but they it's weren't also, hearing you it. You have to think about your growth overall and what's going to grow yeah. you. And if you spend that, you know, extra couple hours making some more VODs, that'll actually make you bigger on the live side too. And it's just, it's a, it's a better equation, at least for your format which might not be true. Exactly. Yeah. And I like doing VODs. I, I have like my format and I have my thing that works. Like with all that said, it, despite those disconnects, I, I still loved my time with Facebook. I think that they were, uh, they had a great team together who was really passionate about it. You know, you have here a lot of negative press about Facebook everywhere you look, but on the gaming side, they really care. You know, there was nothing personal, but definitely I just don't, and I like doing it. I just don't have enough time for it. If I was going to stream now, I, I would definitely do it with with YouTube, if they can find a better way to separate VODs and streamed content on the channels. Cause I'm really, uh, I'm really nervous about subscriber burn and burning them out with notifications and stuff. But I do think I've worked with, you know, I've worked with just like a lot of creators who've been around a while. I've worked with so many streaming platforms. I would name them all, but who cares to hear? You guys know the big, the big names, uh, but, uh, I've really been impressed by YouTube gaming in terms of a group of people who are really committed. Uh, and I'm only speaking mobile here because that's my that's my niche, you know. Uh, but they're the first platform. They're the first group of uh, first team, first group of people, you know, behind Ryan and Lester and Liz and their whole marketing team, who've really made a a concerted effort to reach out to and help grow and work with uh, mobile content creators. So I think that if I was to stream, I would probably incorporate it uh, on YouTube just because of that relationship. Yeah, a big fan of Lester over at YouTube. He's he's also addicted himself, which helps. He's like <laughs> yes, just yes. completely addicted to mobile games. He is, yeah, he's the best. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on is, you know, you started doing a lot more 
things. Um, and, and one of the things is I, I started doing more and in my career I think about is how can I create a state of flow where, you know, I, you're coming into work every day, you've got so much other stuff going on, what is the wife, you got a date night this, you want to go to this, you know, dinner or this event. How have you created a state of flow in your day? Or do you even have that? Is it, is it is an aspirational question, thing? No, I love this. I love stuff like this. Like this is next, next level combo. I like getting deep, you know? Uh, I totally agree with you. I think that it's really easy, no matter what you're doing, whether you're, you know, at, at whatever job you're doing, but it's really easy to let your mind get ahead of yourself, right? And, you know, I have two things that I do. The first thing is the, when I start my day. So as a content creator, you can wake up whenever you want to, right? I mean, that's the, the cool thing is you can set your own schedule. And I fell into the trap of when I went full time, just, you know, naturally I'm a night owl. So naturally I want to, I want to, you know, go to bed at four and, and, and wake up at like 11. Uh, but I stopped myself from doing that. And I started going back to like a more 6am. I get up, I go to the gym. So I think that discipline is the key. The first key, right? Is discipline in, even with my own schedule, nothing too crazy. But after I get back from the gym every morning, I just write out everything I have to do that day, like small things and big things. And I basically just make a schedule, giving myself a little bit more time than I think all those tasks will take. Uh, and then like, I get like, maybe it's just like a little bit of a dopamine spike every time I can check something off that list. Right. And, and it also serves as a reminder for little things. So in the morning I'll be like, uh, return an email of that guy who I've been putting off, you know, like that will take me five minutes to do tops. But if I write it down and I have it scheduled, I have a block of 10 minutes to return an email. I'm way more apt to do it than if I just go in the, if I start my day with a million tasks and I just bang them out, you know, haphazardly, however I can think of doing them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I have so much going on as, as do you, as do, you know, a lot of people in our position or in any industry is as long as you is the more, you know, passion projects you start or the more side hustles or whatever you do, you start to get a lot of things going on. Or even if you're in school, I look back to like stressing about grades and stuff and, or, or whatever it is. It's just the best lesson is, and this applies to not, I'm not saying you should not think about your future, but I really try to just live in the moment and try not to think more than like five minutes in the future. And that's how I kind of keep in the flow state as well. So if I'm editing a video, I'm editing a video. I'm not thinking about, oh my God, I have, you know, I need to get this guy a contract. I need to do this. I need to do it. Like, how am I ever going to do this? Or if I have a huge task, like we just, uh, we're trying to get into uh, CRL, which is competitive clash reality against space station gaming. And, you know, it's uh, it's going to cost us like half a million dollars to get all this stuff done. And I need lawyers. I need contracts. I need a house in LA. I need like, there's, this is just an example, but there's so many things, so many dominoes here yeah. that it, if you think about them in their entirety, it can be so overwhelming, but you just don't think it. You don't think about them in the time. You think about, okay, here's what I need to do. And here's what I need to do it by. Okay. Got that down. And then you just focus on the task at hand. Okay. So I need contracts. So today I'll focus on getting three guys a contract. That's it. You know? And when you break things down to small tasks, they become way easier and way less stressful to kind of handle. So I guess those are the little tactics I use. Not yeah. rocket science, but just trying to. No, I to think it's, it's super important. I see a lot of it, especially what a lot of our listeners are earlier on the creator journey. And, you know, they're doing it part time, you know, outside of their job and kind of working up. And they get really fixated on this lofty, big goal, which is like, I want to be a full time content creator. And they realize that 
they, they can't stream for eight hours and they get frustrated. So you, well, even if you can just go for like two hours, you know, or an hour, or you can create yeah. VOD content in your spare time and just like cut it down a little bit and don't think about, oh, I need to be a, a full-time content creator tomorrow because it's, it's unrealistic, to be frankly. Like, it takes a long time to develop the practice and skill. And to your point, it kind of stacks, right? Like you start doing the little things and then that becomes easier and then the next wave of things comes and then that becomes easier mm -hmm. and you're constantly improving, right? You're saying you're doing like team organization and you're thinking about applying to a franchise league. That comes with a whole new set of challenges that you're now going to have to confront and learn and, and go through that process and get better at. And then once you're done with that, it's, it's going to be the next thing. No, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's just anything in life. It's just breaking them down to small, easy tasks, holding yourself accountable and like discipline begets discipline, right? So if you hold yourself accountable and no matter what it is you're trying to do in life, the more structured and the more accountability you can hold yourself to. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I, I mess up all the time. So it's not like I'm just like this yeah. perfect human being, but the more accountable you can keep yourself and the more on task you can keep yourself, no matter what it is, your diet, the gym, uh, you know, paying attention to the person, to your significant other uh, or doing like, or, or helping out a random stranger, like these little, these little tiny things, they snowball really easily into positive or negative momentum. Just like, if you skip the gym and you go out for a pizza or something, that's fine in a vacuum, but you're also way more apt to make another negative decision afterwards, you yeah. know? So like you're out for a pizza. Okay. Let's have a couple beers. Or you have a couple beers. Let's go to the strip club. I'm just like, it just like Snowball, you're way yeah. more apt to, to, to make more. And then, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but you just have to be aware that you can get really quickly into bad habits or good habits. It works both ways. So I definitely try to, you know, try to always try to focus on, 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 uh, you know, cultivating more, more good habits, but yeah, for smaller content creators, you can get there. I think that no one, it will, I guess not no one, but like a lot of the super, a lot of these supercell ecosystem YouTubers who I talked to are small and growing or have been at it for years and just can't grow. I think, feel like they still doubt that they still think in their heads, there's no way that they'll ever be full time. And you know, it's not cheesy, but you also have to like envision, you know, that you can do it and envision that envision yourself every day being full time and then break it down to small, small tasks to get you there. And it's not easy. Like you said, there's no magical solution. Yeah. To I think it's a, a big thing you're saying is that idea of visualizing, like, you know, what would it look like if I was already doing it? I remember mm -hmm. when I was competing professionally i would think about the game tomorrow against my opponent and like so smart man this guy would like invade on my the jungle and the alleged but he'd invade on me and i would envision him doing it and i would know that i knew that was coming and i played this out the day before um in my head so when i was hit with that situation i knew what to do and i didn't second guess myself i just i did it yeah, that dude that is so powerful and if this is not like voodoo science either this is there's been so many studies i was like reading a a magazine article that cited a study and i actually looked it up because i was like how can this be true but i it was on uh people got a, a group of guys there were three groups of, of male uh subjects one of them worked out their biceps every day or whatever three times a week for uh, two months one did bicep exercise exercises for you know four times a week or whatever for uh the same time period and then one group uh didn't do anything and then the other group just visualized it just visualized 
for 20 minutes every day, like meditated on pretending they were lifting, like curling weights. And that group who pretended in their minds, uh, they didn't see, obviously they didn't see anywhere in the muscle growth of the group that was actually working out, but they saw like 20% more muscle growth in the group that did nothing. So it just like mentally, you can really, you know, the human brain without going too far down, uh, you know, down. This is, a, down this is, a I love how here. curious you are about this. You've just like went into this, this topic. Yeah. About- yeah. It's my curiosity. Right. And I read it and like this study has been replicated so many times people can look it up. It's just, I'm just, it sounds like, yeah, right, dude. Like, whatever. no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I've seen yeah. it in the Harvard, uh, Harvard study about piano players where they, they look at their yes. brain and they see them playing the piano and then they, they see what's happening in their brain, record that. And then the, and another session will then look at their brain and have them think about as if they were playing the piano and the exact same things are happening in their brain as mm-hmm. if they were actually playing the piano. 100%. Yes. So yeah, I think vis- visualization is really, really powerful. So I think that people should, should consider doing it. I don't do it enough, honestly, you know? Cool. Well, Ash, what's, um, what's your goals? You know, you've accomplished so much over the years. You've got so many sweet initiatives going on across the board. What's um, what's next for you? Yes, yeah, so like I said, I'm working on. Uh, I have a talent agency. We work with about forty or fifty mobile content creators called AfterShock Media Group. So focusing full steam on that in 2020. I also uh, am now a co-owner and really uh, leading the way along with my best friend Powerbank Gaming uh, in the uh, in the Space Station Gaming. Uh, org, uh, eSport org. So those guys, we went up with a, a guy named Sean Joris, uh, you know, about a year ago, and he's amazing in just the culture they have there in uh, Salt Lake City, their whole team. It was just incredible. They, they really blew, to, blew us away in terms of how differently they approach things and how creative they are and outside the box. So we joined forces with them, super excited. So full steam ahead, both on the eSports side on mobile and on the agency side of mobile. And a couple other kind of like side projects, always always looking for the next thing. But that's my main focus in 2020 is just continuing to try to help out and network amongst mobile creators and uh, and you know provide uh, you know provide opportunity for those guys. And that's that's about it. Sweet, that sounds really exciting. Um, that's it is. It's, I it's love fun. how much you're going on again. It comes back to full circle. It's not just about the content for you. You're really working on the ecosystem as a whole. And I think that's that really differentiates you from a lot of content creators. So hats off and kudos to you. Doing Thanks, that. man. Mobile has a great, great community. I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm a part of it, but not not just content creators, but just the communities around their games are generally, you know, of course, like any gaming community, there's some negativity. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, generally speaking, compared to other, you know, some other communities I've been a part of, it's just there's a lot of helpers out there. There's a lot of people who are passionate and uh, really good people globally. It's such a global community too. So it's an honor to be a part of it. And uh, it was great chatting with you, man. Thank you. Cool. Where can uh, where can everyone find you if they're, they're coming off this episode and they're like, that dude was dope, which they will be. <laughs> or they're um, like, that guy was just, will you ever <laughs> shut up that dude? In any case, where can they follow or unfollow you, whichever it is? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. On YouTube, it's CWA Mobile Gaming. And on Twitter, it's at CWA. And uh, that's where I'm most active. Sweet. Uh, well, thanks so much, Ash. It was great having you on. Um, nope. see, see you on the YouTubes. <laughs> thanks so much. Appreciate <laughs> Catch it. Catch you, man. See you. Bye-bye. Bye.